In John chapter 12 this morning, John chapter 12, we will begin reading in verse 9, John 12 beginning in verse 9, and then we'll read down to verse 15, I'm sorry, we'll read down to verse 19, from verse 9 until verse 19. John 12, 9, much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there, and they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. On the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy king cometh, sitting on an ass's colt. These things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they, that these things were written of him, and that they had done these things unto him. The people, therefore, that was with him, when he called Lazarus out of his grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. For this cause, the people also met, with, met him, for that they had heard that he had done this miracle." We'll begin looking at this text this morning in verse 9 and, and in verse 11, and we'll be jumping from verse to verse as I'll be connecting things together. The, the text this morning begins with the phrase, much people. Much people came to see Jesus and to see Lazarus as, after he had been raised from the dead. And as a result, as it says in verse 11, Many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. Many of the Jews left Judaism and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. Though the time of our Lord's crucifixion was coming closer, yet He continued in His calling and in His ministry of seeking and saving those which were lost. God had sent Him to do that. God had sent him to seek the lost and to save them. And he continued doing that, even facing an impending death. The resurrection of Lazarus from the dead had caused a great stir among the unbelieving Jews. They were defined as much people. But who are they? Well, Mark chapter 12 and verse 37 says, And the common people heard him gladly. Mark 12, 37. This much people is certainly made up of the common people. We have studied the life and ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ, and we see that most of His converts were from the common people. But there were some religious leaders that also believed. Before long, we're going to get to John 12 and verse 42. And in John 12 and verse 42, we read, Nevertheless, among the chief rulers also many believed on him. 
But because of the Pharisees, they did not confess him, lest they should be put out of the synagogue. For they loved the praise of men more than the praise of God. Now I'll leave that alone and deal with it when I come to it. But very plainly, the scripture says that among some of the religious leaders, some of them were believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. We learn from the scriptures that God is working and God is the one behind moving sinners to come from their religion or from their sin and to the Lord Jesus Christ. We had already seen in John chapter 6 and verse 37, our Lord says, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And then in verse 44 where he says, No man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. God is working. God is moving. God is saving. God is seeking out the lost and saving them. He is working among the common people and he is working a little among the religious rulers. And so much people came to him. And at the same time that John says much people of the Jews therefore knew that he was there and they came for not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also. At the same time, verse 10 introduces us with a conflict. But, but what? Well, the chief priests consulted how they might put Lazarus to death. John, from the opening verses of chapter 1, has set forth this contrast between that which is true and right and that which is false. And he is, every chapter... He has set forth this contrast to us. In John chapter 1, verse 11, he opens up, He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But then immediately on the heels of that statement, he says, But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And so he has this contrast. They did not receive him, but some did. And here, some are coming. Much people are coming. But we have this conflict. Over and over again, we have seen it. I brought it out to you. It will, this is not the last time that we will see it. We'll see it over and over again. It is the way of Christianity that some people will believe, but others will seek to kill. In John chapter 12, verse 10, But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. And in verse 19, we read, The Pharisees therefore said among themselves... Perceive ye how ye prevail nothing. Behold, the world has gone after him. As the chief priests and religious leaders of Israel are looking at this situation concerning our Lord Jesus Christ, their conclusion is that the world has gone after him. We're losing members from our own assemblies here. The Jewish leaders became more determined to see our Lord killed because they knew and they saw for themselves that their numbers were diminishing as multitudes believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and determined that they would follow Him. But they also determined to put Lazarus to death. Previously, Lazarus had been a faithful Jew. Previously, I was a faithful Catholic. What were you previously? Previously, Lazarus had been a faithful Jew. 
He had been circumcised on the eighth day according to the law. He had been raised in the Jews' religion as a child as his parents faithfully taught him and took him to Sabbath day uh, uh, synagogues. He had continued in the Jews' religion as an adult, observing the law of God, observing the three national feasts of Israel, attending synagogue, and doing what old good Jewish followers would do. But then he and his sisters met the Lord Jesus Christ. Then they became followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they left the Jews' religion. After some time, Lazarus died. And we've already looked at that in John chapter 11. And then the Lord raised him from the grave. And after his resurrection from the dead, he became an instrument in the hands of God to turn many to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the way the Lord Jesus Christ uses his people. God takes somebody, changes them, and then uses them so that others come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to make this statement. As long as the living Lazarus is alive, redundant, I know, but as long as the living Lazarus is alive, he is a testimony to a living God. He is a testimony that Jesus Christ is the life and the resurrection and the life. And so we've got to get rid of him, the Jewish leaders say. We've got to. As long as he was alive, the multitude would flock to hear his story of how Jesus Christ had saved him. They would come out of the, of the synagogues, away from the temple worship, and become followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. The wrath of man-made religion will not stop its attempts to put away the voice of God's Word from among the people. They will not stop. They have not stopped. We live in a day, in a country where we have relative peace. That, I think, is changing. But we are living in a day and in a country where we have relative peace. Where we can believe and still say what we believe as a religion. And where differing religions can exist in the same country without killing each other. But I think that day is slowly coming to an end. I hope that we are able to turn back the tide of that. But you can see in other nations where, for instance, Islam came in and that they had begun immediately killing Christians. False religion must seek to put to, to quiet, to seek to quiet the voice of God in His Word. They must. The history of false religions is the burning of books and it's the martyrdom of the saints. It's the forbidding of the people to read the Word of God. The taking the Word of God out of the language of the people and then persecuting those who would seek to put the Word of God in the hands of the people. False religion says we cannot have that. We must quiet the voice of the Word of God. We must. And that's their turning against the Lord Jesus Christ. But not only must they quiet the voice of the Word of God, they must also seek to put away the voice of those who know the Word of God and who speak plainly to others about it. 
Lazarus must die. Not only the Lord Jesus Christ must be killed, but Lazarus must be killed. Because look, I mean, look at his testimony. Look at what he's doing. People are following the Lord because of him. So not only do we need to shut the mouth of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we also need to shut the mouth of Lazarus. But I have one last thought upon the words of God in John 12, verse 10 and 19. In the words of the Jewish religious leaders, we not only see their hatred for God, but we see their ignorance. What do I mean by that? The way of the world, even the way of the world's religion, is a way of ignorance. It's not the way of truth. Let me just focus on what they have said. We need to kill Lazarus. Let me just focus on that. Now remember, it has only been a few days since the Lord Jesus Christ raised him from the dead. Right? And now his testimony is, God raised me from the dead, and I have something to say about the Lord Jesus Christ. Do the religious leaders of the Jews truly believe that the one who raised Lazarus from the dead could not raise him again? we got to kill him. Well, you know, he was dead once, right? And you know what Jesus did, right? He raised him from the dead. Now you say, we got to kill him. Well, do you really believe that it can't happen again? Do you really believe that you're going to overcome the work of God? Do they really believe that the one who raised Lazarus from the dead cannot raise himself? we got to kill Jesus. You see the ignorance that is there in the mind. While they're trying to stamp out religion, while they're trying to stamp out the truth, they're operating on the foundation of ignorance. What can they do to stop God from accomplishing His purposes regarding the gospel? They can do nothing. This is seen again and again and again from the history, throughout the history of Christianity. I have people in my own family that speak against me on a fairly regular basis, trying to do everything they can to, to impugn or to cause some... Uh, body to th- others to think that Christianity is not real. I- I've known that for years. In my own family. And it continues and the voice gets louder. And But what are they going to do? They may cause people to question me. But they can't stop the work of God. And God may indeed put me aside and One of these days I'm going to die and my voice is going to be quieted anyway. But they can't quiet the voice of God. They operate from a foundation of ignorance. We have to stop this. We've got to stop this. We've got to do something about this. This is wrong. And God cannot be stopped. The gospel cannot be stopped. They can do nothing against God and against His message. There is no record that the Jews ever killed Lazarus. 
But there is a record that they killed the Lord Jesus Christ. And when they had killed him, he was laid in a tomb and buried, and they put a stone on the front of it. And then the Jews, uh, Jewish leaders gave uh, a, a, a commandment that that should be cemented in. I'm going to use the word we use today. They should cement that stone. They should seal that stone to that tomb. And then they gave commandment that Roman soldiers should stand there in, to keep the disciples from coming at night and stealing the body, even though the, the, the tomb had been cemented in. We can't, give, we can't leave anything to chance, so he put the guards out there. So, one day and one night pass, and then two days and two nights pass, and, and the third night, and then the morning, sun is about to rise. The stone is moved from the inside by a living God. The soldiers are afraid and run away. And the Lord Jesus Christ arises from the dead. What can they do to stop that? What can they do to keep God from doing what God is going to do? We've got to kill him. The only thing they're accomplishing is the will of God, that He should die in the place of sinners to save them from their sins. So we come now to verse 12 through 15, where we read on the next day, much people uh, that were come to the feast when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches and palm trees and went forth to meet Him and, and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the King of Israel. He cometh in the name of the Lord. And Jesus, when He had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written, Fear not, daughter of Zion, behold, thy King cometh. Sitting on an ass's colt. And we've looked at this account before when we were going through the Gospel of Mark. So I'm not going to spend much time on the actual events of this text, but I do want to remind us of a very important phrase found in verse 14. As it is written. John 12, 14, as it is written, teaches that in the days before the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus Christ, many Old Testament prophecies were being fulfilled. Matthew confirms that the great procession of people who gathered around the Lord Jesus Christ as He entered into Jerusalem, riding upon that ass's colt, is a fulfillment of the Word of God spoken in the Old Testament many, many years before. Matthew 21 and verse 4 says, All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee meek, and sitting upon an ass, the colt, and a colt, the foal of an ass. The statement, as it is written, or something similar to that, shows up throughout the New Testament. And it teaches us several very important things. First, the Word of God was used by our Lord Jesus Christ and His apostles as their final authority. Everything relating to the person and work of Christ was based on as it is written, or thus saith the Lord, or it was said this. Everything about what he, His coming and His 
life and ministry and his death and his burial and his resurrection, everything was as it is written. Their testimony was this is what God said was going to happen. God revealed and fulfilled everything relating to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Matthew 5 and verse 18. Verily, verily, I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle, in no wise from, shall, pass, shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. So we read in Acts chapter 3, verse 18, the apostles continue this same thing. But those things which God before had showed by the mouth of all his prophets, that Christ should suffer, suffer, he hath so fulfilled. Acts 3, verse 18. He fulfilled that which was spoken by the prophets hundreds of years before, sometimes thousands of years before. From the opening prophecy in Genesis chapter 3 until the closing prophecies of Malachi, Everything was fulfilled concerning the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me just give you some text and read them. You can follow, try to follow with me if you want. I'll be in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 22 and 23. Matthew 1, 22 and 23 says, Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Matthew chapter 2, verse 15. And was there, that is, in Egypt, until the death of Herod, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Matthew chapter 2, Verse 23, And he came and dwelt in the city of Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Matthew chapter 4, verse 14 through 17. Verse 14, That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zabulun, the land of Nathalim, by the way of the sea, beyond Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles. The people which sat in darkness saw great light, and to them that sat in the region of darkness, the shadow of death, and the shadow of death, light is sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Light sprang up when Jesus began to preach. Matthew 8. Verse 16 and 17. When the even was come, they brought unto him many that were possessed with devils. And he cast out the spirits with his word and healed all that were sick. That it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying, Himself took our infirmities and bare our sickness. Matthew 12 verse 17 through 21, Matthew 12, 17, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. 
He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break. Smoking flax shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment unto victory, and in his name shall the Gentiles trust. Prophesied by our Lord. Matthew 26, verse 53 and 54. Matthew 26, 53 says, Thinkest thou that I cannot now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than twelve legions of angels? As he to deliver him from the cross. But, verse 54 says, How then shall the scriptures be fulfilled? That thus it must be. Matthew 27, verse 9 and 10, Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, And they took the thirty pieces of silver, the price of him that was valued, whom they... Of the children of Israel did value and gave them to a potter's field as the Lord appointed me. Jeremiah the prophet said, this is what's going to happen when the Messiah comes. He's going to be sold for 30 pieces of silver. Isaiah the prophet said, this is what's going to happen. A virgin shall bring forth a child. The prophet spoke hundreds, thousands of years before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he came, as it was written was fulfilled. Matthew 27, verse 35. And they crucified him and parted his garments, casting lots that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet. They parted my garments among them, and upon my vestures did they cast lots. All of these things spoken hundreds, thousands of years before and fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. Finally, in Luke chapter 24, verse 44, our Lord said these words, Luke 24, 44, our Lord said these words, that all things must be fulfilled, which are written in the law of Moses, and in the prophets, and in the Psalms concerning me. Everything concerning the Lord Jesus Christ must be fulfilled. Much concerning the Lord Jesus Christ has already been fulfilled. The apostles preached in the same manner. For instance, the apostle Paul said in Romans 9, 13, As it is written, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Again in Romans 3, in verse 10, he says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Again, in Romans chapter 1, in verse 17, we read, For therein, that is, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. Let me encourage you to search for the phrase, as it is written in the New Testament, and discover for yourself what great promises God has made and have been that have been and will yet be fulfilled what God has said will be done shall be done because God said it the next thing I want to draw your attention to is that though as it is written 
summarizes that which takes place in verses um, um, 12 through 16. Yet in verse 16 we read, These things understood not the disciples at the first. Though it had been written, and though that every one of the disciples were Jews and raised up in the synagogues. And though the disciples being spoken of here, the twelve, had been with the Lord Jesus Christ for three and a half years, yet the scripture records these things understood not his disciples at the first. But when Jesus was glorified, then remembered they that these things were written of him and that they had done these things unto him. These things understood not his disciples. We've seen this before. In John chapter 2 and verse 22. When therefore he was risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this unto them. And they believed the scriptures and the word which Jesus had said. After he was raised from the grave, they saw for themselves... And they remembered that way back in the beginning of his ministry in John chapter 2, he said this is what was going to happen. But they had not understood it and they had not remembered it. And then it took place and they remembered. And they looked back and said, do you remember way back there in John chapter 2? They wouldn't have said John chapter 2. Do you remember way back there in the beginning of his ministry? Now we understand. The same is true of Luke 18 Verses 31 through 34, where the scripture says, Then he took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written of the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For they shall be, for he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spitted on. And they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. Verse 34, and they understood none of these things. And this saying was hid from them, neither knew they the things that which which were spoken. Many of God's people don't understand things. Now, that doesn't mean they're not God's people. But God doesn't leave us in ignorance. God doesn't leave us alone. He teaches us. I've already taught out of John chapter 6 that he teaches every one of his children. When Jesus was glorified, when Jesus was resurrected and walked among them and taught them on, on uh, the first day of the week, and when Jesus was there and they could touch him and feel him and he heard the words coming out of his mouth, they remembered what he had said. Luke 24 and verse 45 says, Then opened he their understanding, that they might understand the Scriptures. Luke 24, 45. They were, this is spoken of the two going to Emmaus, and, and we had thought that he was the Messiah, and, and they crucified him today, and, and, and now we hear word that maybe he was raised, but we don't understand any of these things. And Jesus is walking with him and talking with him, and they're just pouring out their heart to him, and they don't understand. Then what happens? He opens their understanding. Oh, that's what he meant. Has that ever happened to you? 
Happens to me a thousand times. Right? So, hyperbole. Is that the right way to say it? Thank you. It's happened to me a thousand times. Oh, that's what it means. That's what it means. I didn't know that. Now I understand. The phrase, these things understood not as disciples, teaches us that a person may be a true child of God and not understand many things. If you had known me in the summer of 1979, with the understanding you have of the scriptures today, and you talk to me, you would think, wow. (laughs) Uh, Maybe he saved. Maybe not. Well, he certainly doesn't understand anything. It's true. It's true. And yet God did not leave me in that place. And nor has he left you in that place. A person may be a child of God and not understand many things, but God teaches him. Secondly, though a child of God may not understand many things, yet God has promised to teach his children the truth of his word. Our Heavenly Father does not leave his children in ignorance. Now, in saying that, I am not saying that every child of God will fully understand everything that every other child of God understands, okay? I'm not saying that. You understand that there have been some great minds that have come along in the history of Christianity that some of us may never attain to, okay? I'm not saying that. But I am saying that God doesn't leave people in ignorance. That God comes alongside and He teaches them the Word of God and He opens up the Scriptures and gives them understanding. He and His Son sent the Holy Spirit with the very purpose of teaching His children. It is a ministry of the Holy Spirit to teach us the things of the Word of God relating to the Lord Jesus Christ. If the apostles did not understand many things at that time... How much more us? How much more we who live in this day? But if we're going to understand anything, or if they're going to understand anything, the history, the scripture as it unfolds before them and as epistles are written, because the Holy Spirit is teaching them the scriptures. And though our Lord has told us many things, And though we have heard the things He said with our own ears, and though we have seen the things which our Lord said on the pages of the Word of God, yet without the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we cannot understand what the Word of God means, nor can we remember the Word of God. Remember that verse I read a while ago, after the resurrection, they remembered what He had said in the beginning of His ministry three and a half years earlier? They remembered. Have you ever been sitting, talking to somebody, and the scriptures are just coming, and they're just flowing? And when it's all over, you sit back, if you're honest with yourself, and say, how did that happen? Because on a daily basis, uh, if you ask me right now this minute, quote 20 verses, I'm going to think, let's see. I I got to think, right? But you've been in that moment. It's ha- I know you have. It's happened to me. If it's happened to me, it's happened to you. I know you have. Where, where God just, something happens and, and the moment opens up and there's just those scriptures. 
and you remembered things. And verses came that you hadn't thought about perhaps in years. Our Lord promised that the Holy Spirit would correct their lack of understanding and our lack of understanding. In John 14, in verse 26, the Scripture says, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, He shall teach you all things and, listen, bring all things to your remembrance. Teaching and causing you to remember. Because they had already been taught three and three and a half years or so. They'd been taught the Word of God. They heard the preaching of John the Baptist. They heard the preaching of Jesus Christ. They had been taught the Word of God. They'd sat in the synagogue from, from a child. They had been taught the Word of God wrongly, but they had been taught the Word of God. And then one day they remembered. And that's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And bring all things to remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. I'm thankful for that because we would all be uh, ignorant of God's word if it were not for the ministry of the Holy Spirit teaching us. And as a pastor, I'm utterly dependent upon God, the Spirit of God, to teach the people that I teach and preach to. I can fill the head with facts, but only God can teach the truth to the heart. And so we come to verses 17 and 18 where the scripture says, The people therefore that was with him when he called Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead bear record. For this cause, the people also met him for that they, had, for, for that they heard that he had done this miracle. The people, therefore, that was with him when he caused Lazarus out of the grave and raised him from the dead, bear record. The people bear record. The people that saw what went on, the people that heard what went on, the people who were first, first-hand witnesses, eyewitnesses of the event, they bore record. Of what they saw and what they heard. Not only did Jesus speak. Not only did Lazarus speak. But now they've got this crowd of people that were there. And all of them are speaking. How many are you going to have to kill? To quiet the mouths of those who saw and know what God did in their lives. Islam has been trying to destroy Christianity in the Middle East for since 600, since the 6 and 700s. Guess what? Christianity still exists in the Middle East. Communism in Russia and China have tried to stamp out Christianity. For years they have tried to, killing them, hunting them down. They're having to meet in quiet places in a cellar or in a, in a, in a jungle somewhere or in a forest. And they're killing them by the hundreds and thousands and they're burning the Bibles and they're taking all the literature they can find. And guess what? <laughs> Christianity prevails in Russia and in China. The people are bearing record. John the Baptist had borne record to Israel. Our Lord had borne record to Israel. 
the disciples, the apostles, had borne record to Israel. And now we read, the common people bore record. Though many of the people did not fully understand all that our Lord Jesus Christ was doing at Calvary, even His own disciples did not fully understand all that was going on, yet they could testify of what they knew to be true. Listen, you may not know everything, okay? And you may just beginning, be at the beginning of trying to understand things about Christianity, but you know something. I remember the first time I went door to door. I was about three or four weeks old in the Lord. I went with Greg Reese, by the way. He kind of took me under his wing in the beginning. He was a month older than I was in the Lord. I was armed with three verses. John 3, 16, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Those I had memorized. I'm here to talk to you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you ever read John 3, 16? Do you know anything about what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9? Then I'm out of ammunition. I don't have anything else. <laughs> Here's a piece of literature from our church. And they would, and you can ask my wife, uh, how many times on a, on a Thursday night I would come home just cast down because a church of Christ just took me to task and just destroyed my theory my ideas, my understanding, just destroyed it. And I would stay up late and I would search and I would read and I would, oh, that's the answer to it. And the next Thursday, uh, I got the answer now. And then some Pentecostal would say, no, this and this. And I'd say, I don't have the answer for that. And I'd go home and I'd pour over the scriptures and at two o'clock in the morning, are you coming to bed or what? I'm coming, I'm coming. I'd get the answer. And the next week, uh, I got the answer now. You know something. Use what you know. These people could testify that they heard Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life, and then prove it. He raised Lazarus from the dead. It's not just words. It's true. He is the resurrection and the life. They could testify that the Lord Jesus Christ was the way, the truth, and the life. They had heard truth. They had been told lies, and now they had heard some truth. They didn't have the sum and substance of it all, but they heard something that was true. And they left their religion, and they came and followed the Lord Jesus Christ, and He's truth. Truth sought them, and then they began to speak of it. They could testify that our Lord is the only one who could give everlasting life. They had been seeking for it all their life. They had been trying their best to be good as they were taught to be. And they couldn't be. And Jesus Christ came along and said, There is none good, no, not one. And if you're going to be saved, I need to do it for you. They could testify that he was the one who was able to forgive sins. They had laid their hands on a thousand sheep. 
And they'd watched the priest cut the neck and kill and, and spill the blood. And, and they had done what they were supposed to do. And they were told as a child, that means your sin is transferred onto that. And, that, and that's, God has taken that sacrifice in your place. And then they would remember again that they have sin. And they would come back with another lamb and do it again and again and again and again and again. Till miles and miles of rivers of blood had flowed in Israel. And none of it could take away sin. And Jesus Christ came along and says to a poor, wicked woman, Thy sins are forgiven. And says to a leper, I can cleanse you and I will cleanse you. And says to a sinner, Your sins are forgiven. And they know something about that. And they've seen it with their own eyes. And so they bore record of what they knew. They could testify of what they had Seen and what they had heard, and for this cause, the people also came to meet him because these people were bearing record. Then others came to meet the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and then they would bear record. And the, and the voice just continued to get bigger and bigger. And the Jews said, We got to stop this, the whole world is going after him. And this whole group of people that are speaking, they don't understand everything. But they understand something. And what they knew that was true, they could speak to it. And others were moved to come to the Lord Jesus Christ because of it. So what can we learn from these words? Well, the last time I preached in this pulpit, I said to you, serve the Lord with where you are, and with what you have. You remember that? Simon opened his house. Martha's sitting at the, serving the table. Mary breaks the ointment. Remember what I said to you? You serve the Lord where you are with what you have. Today I want to say to you, speak of the Lord concerning the things you know. Speak of the Lord despite the fact that many are seeking to reject Him. Speak of the Lord to the lost. Speak to those who are not following the Lord Jesus Christ. Say something to them, though you don't understand yourself some of the things. Say something. Say what you do know to be true. To the lost, you are still called upon to repent and believe the gospel. At least tell them that much. You're still called upon. To come to the Lord Jesus Christ for forgiveness. You know that much. Speak to the lost. You say, well, they got questions I can't answer. It's okay. It's all right. Go back and study and learn and then you can give an answer. But say something that you know is true. And then finally, speak to those who say they are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And say to them though you do not understand many things yourself, you can say to them, yet you know that the Lord Jesus Christ is worthy of a sacrificial life. You know that the greatest service owed to a child of God is to be a follower and a servant of the living God. That much I know. I may not be able to do all that I can. I may not be able to explain many things to you, but... But this much I know, Jesus Christ has saved me. He's forgiven me. 
Perhaps it may be said of me that I'm not what I should be, but it must most certainly may be said of me, I am not what I used to be. And Jesus Christ is worthy to be followed. Though you know little and though you understand little, speak. Bear record of what you do know. And isn't that what preaching is? One sinner saved by the grace of God, having been forgiven back in the summer of 1975, standing before other sinners and saying to them, there is a God who can forgive your sins. The Lord Jesus Christ can forgive your sins. How do you know? Well, I know because the Scripture says it. And I know because He did it for me. That much I can speak to. Well, what about this or that? Well, I don't know about this or that, but I know this much. This much I can speak to. Let's pray.